morning, everyone. I am Pastor Lori. Welcome to E3, uh, E3 Online. And welcome to our final week of the series that we have been in for the past couple of months called God Part Two, where we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, which is the very first book of the New Testament in, in the Bible. Uh, we've been walking through this book to take a closer look at Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and to see how Jesus' life actually mirrors the Exodus story, which is a central and critical story of God's people found in the Old Testament. Jesus' story, as we read it in Matthew, in, in the, it serves as a sequel of sorts to that original Exodus story. Now, if you'll remember way back in week one of this series, we said that a really good sequel story includes the original story and then adds to it, that it actually transcends the original story. And that is what we believe to be true about Jesus' story that we've been reading about in Matthew. It reveals God's desire for his children to be freed, to be liberated, to bring God's healing and peace and goodness to the world. And it reveals that he has sent Jesus to be this rescue. Now, we've spent several weeks looking at the parallels between God's rescue story of his people found in the Exodus story and paralleling that to God's rescue story or Exodus story found in the Gospel of Matthew. Through this series, we've been asking, what does a new exodus, a new rescue for God's people look like? And today, we're going to wrap up that se the series by looking at and talking about the, the last section of scripture that's found in Matthew, which you may have heard referred to in the past as the Great Commission. This is found in the verses that we just heard read for us from chapter 28 of the book of Matthew. Now, I want to take just a minute to remind you of the journey that we've been on so far. So let me do just a quick recap for us. We started out in Matthew chapter 1, hearing about the genealogy and the birth story of Jesus. We saw Jesus get baptized. We saw Jesus go into the desert and be tested. He passed that test, by the way. Remember, we talked about that. We saw Jesus gather a handful of people close to him and invite them to do life with him to walk with him. These are Jesus's disciples. We saw Jesus and those disciples set out to go and tell others the good news that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. We heard teaching from Jesus himself through the Sermon on the Mount about what it looks like, what actions are required or called for to live in this kingdom of God that has arrived. We've read about the miracles the healings of the sick, the casting out of demons. And then we read about how Jesus starts to face opposition and resistance as he makes his way to Jerusalem. We saw that not everyone was happy that Jesus was claiming to be the long-awaited king, the promised Messiah. We saw resistance, and then we saw betrayal, the arrest, the conviction, the brutal beatings, the crucifixion, and then, and then we saw the resurrection. 
last Sunday, Easter Sunday, our community and faith communities all over the world celebrated Jesus' resurrection together. Pastor Mike talked to us last week about what this new rescue through Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection means to us. What Easter means to us. What it means for us. Mike reminded us that the Easter story means that evil does not get the final word. Not ever. That we are image bearers of God. We are the very children of God. And that God has sent his rescue for his children through his son Jesus. We have been invited into God's new rescue story. Pastor Mike reminded us that no matter what we may be carrying in this world, no matter what it may be telling us or throwing at us, that we have a God who walks through it with us, who carries it with us. And that's what our new rescue looks like. And now we're going to pick up in Matthew, and we're going to close out the series and this, this book of the Bible following Jesus, this, this time period, following Jesus' resurrection. And we see that the disciples have gone to Galilee, as they were told to do, to meet up with Jesus. And Jesus meets them there and is talking with them and giving them some final instructions on what they're supposed to do next. You see, the time has finally come that he has been telling them about all along, that at, that at some point he will, they will no longer be able to see Jesus, but that he will be with them. So let's pick up an, and read together Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I mentioned that this section of scripture is called the Great Commission, and it is Jesus giving instructions here to the disciples who have been uh, following him very closely, walking with him for the last three years of Jesus' ministry here on earth. Now Jesus is commissioning the disciples to go and make other disciples. Now, when you hear the word commissioning, what comes to your mind? What other context maybe have you heard that word in before? For me, I've heard it in referencing the commissioning of an officer in the military. Here are some pictures of some different folks who have been commissioned, some different commissioning ceremonies. I don't actually know these people, but I will tell you about this picture right here. This woman right here is the daughter of E3's very own John and Barb Stott, who, were co who was commissioned into the military just last month. I researched, I researched what it means to be commissioned as an officer in the military, and it means generally someone who has been selected by the head of state normally to serve his or her country. This is different than an NCO, you may have heard that term, NCO or non-commissioned officer, which is someone who has worked his or her way 
up through the ranks um, into a position. But commissioning means that the officer has been selected or chosen and that officer has been given a specific mission for the next season of his or her life. It defines a very clear purpose for that officer. Maybe another context that you've heard the word commissioning used in is in reference to a ship that has been commissioned. I've got a couple of pictures of that as well. Um, again, I did not take these pictures. I found them, so I don't know who these people are. Um, when, a, when a ship or vessel is commissioned, it means this. It means that it has been given a name and a strategic assignment. It has been given a name and a strategic assignment. So I want you to keep that in your minds as we take a look at our scripture today. As we talk about this story, Jesus is telling his friends here, his disciples, the people that he has walked with and taught, the ones he has served with and the ones he has served, the people he has done life with, to now go and make other disciples. They have been given a specific name, disciple. And that name has a very specific meaning. The Greek word for disciple is mathetis. It's shown here. It means simply, it's better translated as more than, a, a, more than just a follower. It's more like an apprentice or a mentee who is actively being mentored. It indicates a different kind of relationship with the teacher than just sitting and listening to the teacher give a lecture. And Jesus has given these disciples, these people who are more than followers, a very strategic assignment. He is telling them now, go make other disciples. So when Jesus is saying to go and make disciples, he isn't just talking about converts here. He's not saying, just go find people who are willing to make the decision to accept me for who I am. He's saying, go find people. Tell them what you have learned. Tell them what you have seen with your own eyes. Tell them what you have experienced while you have been with me and invite them to join you on this journey of becoming more like me. Invite them into this relationship that we have, into this love that we share. Teach them, spend time with them, be in a relationship with them so that they will know who I am and how much I love them and then help them grow into becoming more like me. Do you hear the language there? That's an investment that he's asking his disciples to make into other people. He's asking them to do life with them, to spend time with them, to be invested in their faith journey, into, in, into their growth, into their journey to becoming more like Christ. The commission here to Jesus' disciples is to make disciples. Now the text here says that Jesus says, therefore go, that's what we read. The English translations tend to think of this as drop everything, sell everything you own, sell all of your possessions, and buy a one-way ticket to some remote place in another part of the world. Or maybe, or maybe we might think about it even as go become a pastor or a biblical scholar or a vocational ministry leader of some sort. 
But the Greek translation here for therefore go is more like sharing the good news as you go. Meaning wherever you go, whatever you do, as you go, disciples will be made. God calls us to go about our lives being disciples, and that in turn makes other disciples. You don't go because it leads to disciple making. You go and live your life as a disciple, which results in others following in the same path. So the commission here is to make disciples as you go. Something else to notice in our text is that Jesus' instruction here is communal. It is not individual. This assignment is given to the whole group, not just a single individual. This is instruction for all believers, for all followers, for the whole church in all of the nations. This is the work of the global church in every nation, not just our congregation here in Tallahassee, but it is also the work of every single person who calls themselves, themselves a disciple of Christ. We can't look at this commission, this strategic assignment or mission as individualistic. It's not just for the few who feel called into global ministry in other parts of the world or into vocational ministry. This strategic assignment is for the whole church, the big C church. And it is also for every single one of the believers who are part of that church. Theologian Michael Goheen says, the great commission is not a task assigned to isolated individuals. It is an identity given to a community. An identity given to a community. The followers of Jesus are a new people whose identity is defined by this disciple-making assignment. This isn't just what we're called to do. It's who we are called to be. As Jesus ends this commission with a promise to the disciples, all of his disciples, he ends it this way. He promises to be with them, with us in this assignment. Eugene Peterson translates it this way in the message. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. You see, there's another thing that marks the identity of the disciples, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The promised gift of the Holy Spirit is what allows Jesus to say, I will be with you every day, all of the days until the end of the age. The Holy Spirit that is within us marks our identity. This special name we've been given, and it is the power by which we can accomplish our strategic assignment, this commission. This is the new exodus. This is the new mission. This is the new rescue. 
Jesus is sending his disciples, the new Israelites, to take the kingdom of God out into the world. Let me see if I can say it this way. The original Exodus story was about God's people, the Israelites, getting into the promised land, which was the kingdom of God. But the new Exodus story is about God's people, Jesus' disciples, us, taking the kingdom of God out into the world. To take it as we go, everywhere we go. Yes, definitely to Guatemala and to Haiti and to Uganda, like our global missions partners have done. But also to our workplaces and our schools and to all of the places we go. And even, and even when we can't go anywhere, then we bring the kingdom of God to our homes. I think that we sometimes get the Great Commission wrong. I think sometimes we believe that it is just about teaching others about who Jesus is. And if we don't feel personally equipped to be teachers or called to be teachers, then we think that this commission or this assignment isn't meant for us. But it's not just about the teaching. It's not just a transfer of information. It's about modeling. It's about living our lives as disciples of Christ, learning, growing, sharing, serving, worshiping, becoming ourselves more like Christ. And doing all of these things in such a way that people can make no mistake about who we are, about whose we are. I think we also sometimes get the Great Commission wrong when we weigh it as more important or less important than the Great Commandment, which is to love the God, uh, love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But the Great Commission doesn't supersede the Great Commandment. It actually adds to the commandment to love God and to love your neighbor. Because if we truly love our neighbor, we will absolutely share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. To think of this in terms of our series that we've been in, God Part Two, and linking it to the series that we did last fall, God Part One, I want you to understand that this commission that we find at the end of Matthew is rooted in the Old Testament. It's foundational, it's found, its foundation is found in the Old Testament. It ties all the way back to the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12, the promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. There is a reason why Matthew begins his gospel by retracing Jesus', Jesus lineage back to Abraham and then ends his gospel with a commission that is an extension of the very blessing that God promised to Abraham. Jesus links God's story by telling us as his disciples to, to make disciples, to bring the good news of the kingdom of heaven, to tell people that it is here to all of the nations. We can understand our own discipleship 
by seeing how the Bible reveals the mission of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So how do we do it? We go and make disciples by first being disciples, being fully devoted, following in Christ's footsteps, becoming more like Christ ourselves. Now, here at E3, you've probably heard us say that our mission is to make disciples of Christ. This text is where that mission comes from. I want to be clear, our mission is to make more than just converts for Christ. We want to help people grow to become more like Christ. We believe that's the mission. Disciples, not, it's more than a follower. And we believe that Jesus modeled the ways to do that for us through his life here on earth. We know that Jesus worshiped God and we believe that worshiping God together is crucial to the life of a disciple. Worship is simply our response to who God is and what he's done. So we try to emphasize that throughout our lives, not just here on Sundays, not just through musical worship, for example. It's all of the ways that we respond to who God is and to what he's done. <clears throat> we also know that disciples of Christ grow together. We look at the original disciples who were with Jesus and how they grew together, how they did life together, how they held each other accountable and cared for each other. And we believe that this is another critical part of a disciple's life. And we also look at what Jesus taught his disciples about serving. Jesus taught them how to serve alongside each other, but also how to serve each other. These examples from Jesus' life tell us how we should structure our lives as his disciples. So they absolutely inform all that we do here as a church. We focus on these things because we have a vision to be a community whose identity is clear and unmistakable. We strive to be an irresistible community of radically transformed disciples who are growing intentionally in our deep faith and in authentic, real community so that we can model discipleship to the rest of the world and to the culture around us. We have values here at E3 that help hold us accountable to our identity as a community of disciples of Jesus. We believe firmly that when we allow the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, that we will show grace in all things. That's what God has done for us. That we will embrace our own growth and the growth for, of those around us, their discipleship journeys along with ours. We believe that when the Holy Spirit is working in and through us, we will live lives that make room for others. Remember, all the people, all the nations. That we will live lives of intentional design so that everything we do, 
everything we create, everything we plan and dream about will line up with our specific and strategic assignment. And we believe that when the Holy Spirit is working in and through us, that we will live lives of authenticity, of humility, and trust of each other. We have been given a name, disciple. We are children of God and we are called to grow into more than followers of Jesus. We are to grow to look more like him, to be more like him. And as we do this, as we go, we model that discipleship to those around us, making them hungry for what we have. This is our strategic assignment, our commission to make disciples. I read last week <clears throat> somewhere that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, we should notice that he didn't say, I am finished. There is more work to be done. And guess whose job it is to do it? Guess who gets to partner with him to allow the Holy Spirit to work through them? You're right if you answered, it's me. It's you, it's me, it's us. We are the ones who have been commissioned to do this. Theologian N.T. Wright says that Easter Day is not simply the happy ending after the sad and dark story of Holy Week. Easter is the start of something. It isn't the ending. It is the beginning of the new creation which has been made possible by the overcoming of the forces of corruption and decay in the death of Jesus. So what does that new creation look like for us? It looks like bringing the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go. It looks like being disciples and being the church, grasping our name, grasping for ourselves our own strategic assignment, growing, worshiping, serving, owning our journey, and then modeling that for others. And in this very strange season that we find ourselves in right now, that may look like finding new and creative ways to be disciples and to be the church specifically, even though we aren't physically able to go anywhere. I, I just want to say again, you have been given a name, disciple. You are more than a follower, more than just a follower. You are growing, you are called to grow, to become more like Christ. And as you do that, you are inviting other people into that journey as well. So as you go, more disciples are made. I'd like to invite you guys to pray with me. God, this season is definitely shaking up the church as we know it, as we have known it for generations. <laughs> but I am certain of this, 
The commission that you gave us, Jesus, hasn't changed. We have every single one of us been called to grow more and more into your likeness. And we trust that when we do that, when we follow you so closely that people can't help but see you when they look at us, then we trust that in everything we do, more disciples of you will be made. We are grateful for this work, for this specific strategic assignment. We are grateful for the name that you have given us, and we are not afraid. Continue to pour out your strength on us, your protection over us, and your peace within us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for joining us this week, and we'll see you next Sunday.